Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. Today we're going to talk about Article 54. Article 54, ah, but it's really referred to by anyone who's read it by the Article 5401 within it that is called the duty to accommodate. Yeah, you might also hear people throw out uh, GRTW, graduate return to work, that's often a part of this program. Right. So Article 54 is basically any time you have a permanent or short-term disability, it can be something temporary that you need to have accommodated in the workplace and the procedure we go through to accommodate. Right. So uh, this might be a workplace injury. It might be a, an injury that you sustain somewhere else, but um, either way you have to... Or not an injury, just an ongoing condition or... Oh, that's right, yeah. It could be a just a medical condition that, that limits your ability to perform your normal duties at work. And we've actually gone through this same process for people who have lost their driver's licenses for non-medical reasons or something. They still need accommodation because they can't do their job, and we still use the same process, follow through here. Yeah, if you were in a PT depot and you had to drive a transit, then obviously not having your driver's license would be uh, a problem. Um, so the basic concept here is that the employer has a duty to find work that you are capable of doing, um, with your new or temporary restrictions. So it refers right in the first paragraph to the Canadian Human Rights Act. If you look at the Canadian Human Rights Act, it doesn't actually tell you that much. It has a lot of really vague mentions in there that there is a, a duty to try and make people equal and the, uh, the purpose of the act and the preamble says it's to give everyone equal opportunity to live the life that they basically want but it doesn't really give a lot of the mechanism it does have a list of commissions and stuff and how to appeal and penalties for for not allowing this and hiring practices and stuff but not a lot for how it's actually handled in the workplace right so different workplaces might have different programs to make that happen as usual, just like every other comparison between the Urban Collective Agreement and the RSMC Collective Agreement, the RSMC one is much shorter and less specific. Yeah, it's Appendix G in the RSMCs, uh, which is why we're focusing on the Urban Article 54 instead. Do you want to read the entirety of G for... Uh, I could, yeah. It's it's all two paragraphs. It says that the parties recognize that the corporation, its employees, the union, and the employee who is permanently disabled or temporarily disabled must work together to attain the objectives set out in the Canadian Human Rights Act on accommodation. In the event that an employee has a disability as recognized by the Canadian Human Rights Act, the corporation shall make every reasonable effort up to the point of undue hardship to accommodate the employee in accordance with the corporation's policy on accommodation. In this regard, the corporation, the union, and the employee will cooperate in attempting to determine the appropriate accommodation. This shall include local consultation when appropriate. The union reserves the right to file agreements. Right, which is kind of what Article 54 says, just Article 54 is way more detailed. So anytime I've been in Article 54 consultations with an RSMC, we've basically followed the urban uh, process anyway. Yeah, it feels like that one's a little more thought out, whereas the RSMC one's very, very vague. Right. Um, so usually the first step involved here is that you have to, you know, report to your 
your work that you are having trouble completing all your duties and then you have to go see a medical professional and get them to fill out forms or write notes saying what you can and cannot do and you want them to be as specific as possible. You need things like how long you can stand, how long you can sit, how far you can walk, how much weight you can lift, any restrictions on your motion or um, even the length of shift that you can work, that can be a thing. Yeah, or what you can't do rather than what you can do. But the very first step is to request it in writing. Uh, It doesn't specify whether it's to the corporation or the union. Uh, In Saskatoon, um, we've gone through and said, hey, we have this in writing from a person and they've never actually asked to see it, but they may, I guess. But put it in writing as the first step and then get your, then get your medical documentation. The request for accommodation in yeah. writing. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the corporation's not going to agree to anything, most likely, unless you have some medical documentation to back up your claim. And again, this doesn't have to be a permanent situation. It could be temporary and it doesn't have to be physical either. It could be a certain area or maybe a customer's harassing you or something. There's too much stress in that area or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But anything that can be medically supported for whatever reason can be put into an accommodation. Um, I kind of want to throw in here that uh, I know that there's often talk um, about how management doesn't like people having earbuds or ways to listen to music, either on the work floor or out on the street when they're delivering. But I know there are a number of post workers who have gotten um, psychological accommodations to be able to listen to music because it helps with. Uh, it can help with anxiety disorders or uh, general just uh, feelings of unrest when you're at work, just being able to escape into the music. And I know there are people out there who are allowed to wear headphones of one form or another for that reason. So if that's something that interests you, you might want to look into that. One thing you do got to be a little careful of, uh, it does mention up to the the level of unreasonable burden or, or something like that. Undue hardship. Undue hardship, that's the word, in the RSMC collective agreement. That means you can't ask for anything super extreme and you have to be open to solutions. Uh, I've seen some people come in and say, you know, I need this to do my job and it's going to cost whatever and I, I need this. It's like, yeah, but they can also accommodate you and do a different similar position for free. So you can't just go in and demand what you want. So you have to be open-minded. You can't expect to get something uh, necessarily. And you can't do anything that's gonna cause a safety hazard. And that's where the corporation has argued earbuds before. And uh, there also is a point where you don't want to exaggerate your disability to the point where you can't work. Mm-hmm. Because if the it's gonna cost them a huge amount of money or make it so that you're only doing 10% of your job and they have to bring someone else to do the rest of it, and that reaches undue hardship and they don't really have to accommodate. They have to try and look and make efforts. But I've seen where people try and, well, if they try and make me do this, I'll just add this restriction, add that restriction. It's like, well, no, you can't, you know, make up disabilities to get yourself into a specific position. And uh, we've seen people try. We've seen people try, <laughs> and especially on safety things. If they can say like, yeah, you're physically able to do this, but not in a safe way, therefore, we're not allowing you to do that. And that's something they can do, you know, mm-hmm. which is something they've, that's, which is something they've tried with earbuds. It's like, yeah, it's not unreasonable to wear earbuds, but it's not safe to wear earbuds. So you can't do it. And that was their original ob- objection to uh, our first requests for that. I know some people are doing the, putting one in, leaving one out so they still can hear out of the one ear and 
um, or using like a speaker or something, but then you can run into that someone else doesn't like your musical choice and finds that to be a stressor at work. And so it, it ends up being, um, there's often a trade-off. There's something you give to get something, right? And you have to, like you say, you have to be willing to compromise. Right. Now, it does say in here that if if consultation doesn't reach an agreement, the employer can basically proceed unilaterally, uh, which is a problem in consultation in general because a lot of times they would just refuse to even talk and say we're not agreeing. But this is enshrined in the Canadian, Canadian Human Rights Act. So if they aren't being reasonable, uh, not only can we file agreements, we can file a human rights complaint. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are something the corporation really, really wants to avoid. So they're usually pretty good with, uh, with making a reasonable accommodation. Yeah, um, Article 54 does also speak to when there's um, a need for uh, speed to, to get the, the accommodation up and running quickly that they can uh, kind of temporarily accommodate and then uh, consult after to make sure that it works. Now, the, the major concern here is that it fits within your restrictions, like what you can and cannot do according to your uh, medical or psychological professional. So as long as what they're asking you to do for work fits within what you what your doctor says you can do, then it should be good. And I have seen them try and say, well, this technically doesn't fit your restrictions, but just try it. That's a 3313, which is the right to refuse. Mm -hmm. You should definitely not be doing that. Stick with your doctor's orders. And it's worth noting that if, like, if you're doing a partial day or something and part of your day is being covered by disability, if you're not following your doctor's orders and you're doing more or different things that your doctor doesn't say you should be doing, you're possibly jeopardizing the approval of that claim. So, because if you get further injured or your injury doesn't improve uh, because you're not following doctor's orders, uh, who do you think they're going to blame for that, right? <laughs> like, it's well, just a dangerous situation to be in. I don't recommend it. One thing I always warn people about when they ask about uh, Article 54 accommodation is when you start this process, you're putting it in the hands of the corporation and the union, and they're obligated to follow certain procedures, which we'll get into here which doesn't guarantee you an ideal situation. It doesn't guarantee you the time of shift or anything like this. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of variables there and you may not be happy with the result. The union will try and get you the job that you want, of course, or as close as we can without infringing anyone else's rights. But the, your safety and your accommodation is a priority. So you're not going to be able to necessarily get even the same type of job you want, you know, We've had people say they can't do stairs or whatever as a letter carrier. Well, the best we can do is accommodate you at nights in the plant. And sometimes it's really hard to argue against that once you see the medical. If the medical says you can't do stairs at all, you, there's very, very few routes with no stairs, right? So the best thing to do, I always tell people, especially those with lots of seniority, is watch the bid sheets. Uh, put in a transfer, try and accommodate yourself. Um, if you don't have enough seniority to self-accommodate or you don't have time, if something's like an urgent medical need, um, then obviously you have to go through this process. But if it's something that's like slowly building up, if your knee's starting to hurt more or whatever, but it's not, you know, the doctor says it's not going to hurt you to continue, a lot of times it's good just to uh, 
wait a little bit and try and bid and self-accommodate onto something that you actually want because this process can backfire on you. Mm-hmm. We really, really, really try to avoid that, but it has happened. So self-accommodation is always the best. Just because you start the Oracle 54 doesn't mean you can't continue to bid and try and self-accommodate in the meantime, but we don't. you don't really have control over the timeline either. Right. So it's good to do both at the same time, uh, try and self-accommodate. Yeah, you could always start the process, and then if you manage to bid onto a position that you can do with your restrictions, then basically you would say, hey, I'm good where I am now. I don't need you to, to accommodate me. It's all good. And then, in theory, the process would end, and they would just go, okay, great. So 5401B says, in determining appropriate accommodation, the corporation must first consider measures to allow the employee to remain in his or her position and assignment. So basically give you tools or help to let you stay in the job that you're you're in or one that she can obtain based on your seniority. Mm -hmm. This is a really misunderstood part of Article 54. A lot of people think that People with no seniority can say, I need accommodation and get given a really awesome position that they never could have got with their seniority and that it's basically bypassing the seniority process, but that's not supposed to be how it works. No, that can happen, but it's the last ditch thing. This has to be done first. So, Mm -hmm. um, and this can be something like, you know, if someone needs a special tool to, if they can't raise their arm all the way or something like that, we've seen that happen. Uh, to reach things or or Do whatever. A tool for that. Yeah, or to temporarily have someone cover uh, a bit of the route when it's really heavy on low leveling days, which you know if that was all the time they might say it's a burden. But if it's just occasionally on the heaviest days, they have to have half of a portion taken off the route or something like that. Uh, we've had things like that happen because mm-hmm. that's reasonable. Sometimes the the accommodations can get really interesting, though, because you'll have, um, in the cases where people have a restriction of how long they can do a certain thing or how many hours they can work in a day, um, if you're a letter carrier or, or an MSC, like, your route is built based on time values. So if it says you can walk for four hours a day, theoretically, that means you can walk two portions. You can't walk a third portion, mm-hmm. even if... You could get it done in the four hours. It's supposed to take six. So do you rush and get it done in four and work more? Or do you just do the four hours you're supposed to do? I've seen this in the plant, too, where someone has basically restricted themselves to only being able to do one or two jobs in the plant, and then they don't get that rotation of duties. Mm -hmm. But they can do that job. So that's where they, and it's the only one they can do under their restrictions. So they get stuck there. But uh, I'm not trying to scare anyone away from this process. Um, it usually turns out good. I'm just saying there are pitfalls. So if you can self accommodate, um, definitely do so. And even once the process has started, uh, good idea to look for self accommodations if possible. Yeah. I think that most people who are using article 54 are not doing it frivolously. They're doing it because they, they cannot do the job they've been doing anymore without pain or, Mm -hmm. or discomfort, you know? So the second part of what I read before said position or assignment he or she can obtain based on seniority. So basically what we do there is normally if you apply from one group to another, going from group one to group two, inside to outside worker, you have to wait a year kind of thing. 
or you have to put in transfers across lists and before you can apply for certain jobs. What this says basically is you automatically get to use your seniority across all lists. So you don't have to wait for transfers, um, but it's still based on seniority. That's where brand saying you can't jump ahead somebody that has, ahead of somebody that has 20 year service if you only have two. Mm -hmm. But if a position comes up available in another section that you normally wouldn't be able to apply on that you could get with only two, then they can put you there. And this is where it gets a little dangerous because you're basically deemed to have applied for every position across the board. And if they find one, uh, this way we treat it in Saskatoon at least, uh, there may be some differences in other places, you're basically automatically deemed to have applied for everything. And if one comes up that fits your accommodations that you could get with your seniority, they basically put you there. Mm -hmm. And this is where people say, oh, I can't do this certain job. And then a position comes up at nights on the plant and they say, you can do that one, you've got it. And they say, well, I don't want to do nights. Well, too bad. That's the one that came up that fits your accommodations. Yeah, whereas if you self-accommodated, you wouldn't bid on nights, would you? Right. Yeah. But again, if you only have two years, it's pretty hard to bid on anything. That's true. So, yeah. But if you have 30 years in, then your odds of getting stuck in a position or, or that you really don't want are pretty low. And even if that did happen, hopefully you'd have enough seniority to bid out pretty soon anyway. Yeah, I think if you're in that, in that uh, position where you have... 25 plus years you probably are are able to self-accommodate into a pretty sweet position anyway right. unless maybe everyone in your local has a ridiculous amount of seniority but again this does put before they even try and accommodate you into a different position they have to try and make the position you're already in work for you so this puts a little pressure on them to do that because you know they're not going to give you anything extra unless we force them article 54 also says that uh the corporation and the union can agree to hold certain positions as uh, accommodation or um, re rehabilitation assignments um, and uh, like I've seen them do that before with certain routes that have less walking or um, lighter loads they'll say oh this is an accommodation route and so when we need someone accommodated we'll put them on this one or in in the case of like group one workers they might uh instead of bidding a position they might temporarily basically put someone in it as a temporary accommodation and then bid it out later um so the person doesn't own that position they're just holding it for a little while to see if that's something they can do and then theoretically it will eventually be bid out to other people by seniority yeah we usually only do that on temporary disabilities too um yeah uh, and if it's a permanent disability then uh, again we'll try it's a We'll try and have you eventually bid something you could get so you're there until you can bid out of it because mm -hmm. uh, we don't like violating someone's seniority unless it's an absolute last choice right. so and i mean you might you might not be able to get the ideal position with your seniority but you might be able to get a position where you can do you know say 75 percent of the work and then the corporation would just have to find someone to do the other 25 percent right right and maybe give you other work instead. Brian mentioned uh, accommodation routes or rehabil rehabilitation assignments. Uh, anything that was a rehabilitation assignment back in January of 2007 is supposed to stay a rehabilitation route forever. And it basically means that, you know, if my route wasn't a rehabilitation route, then anytime someone needs an accommodation, I can get kicked off my route temporarily. Uh, and then when their accommodation ends, I still own it, so I get it back. Mm -hmm. But that route's always available for someone who may need it on accommodation. Uh, I don't think we have any of these left in Saskatoon, 
the problem with them is they assume you know what somebody's disability is going to be eventually. You can identify ones that have less stairs or something or uh, part-time route, maybe it's a little shorter, but unless you know that someone's disability is going to happen to be less stairs but not no stairs, uh, there's ones that are a little bit lighter maybe that don't get as much mail, but you don't know if that's going to change in future. So just designating a route as a accommodation route is kind of weird because you never know what future restrictions are going to be. Mm -hmm. It might work for one accommodation, but not for another. Yeah. So there are some routes though that are like that. Um, when we used to all be foot walks, there was a very few routes that had vehicles. Those ones were accommodation routes for people that could walk less or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think they're as useful a tool as they sound just because there's, you never know what the specific restrictions are going to be. Yeah, I know at one point we used to have two or three of them at the West Depot that were, um, they were basically driving routes with lots of uh, community mailboxes and very little walking. Well, one of the problems there is it had to be an assignment for letter carriers at least for an assignment as of January 31st of 2007. Well, as soon as the depot gets restructured, yeah. that assignment no longer exists. So they didn't cancel the, ass cancel the assignment necessarily, but if that assignment no longer exists, it's not really a, the same thing anymore, so they just basically eliminate them that way. Yeah, I can't remember when we had our last restructure. I feel like it was around 2016. Am I wrong? At our depot, it's been forever, yeah. They can't for a few reasons. Well, I know I was on mat leave one of the times they restructured. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my mat leaves. Yeah, but uh, in some places, there may be some routes or assignments that work really good. And in the plant, obviously, there's certain positions where you're sitting a lot more and don't have to lift weights that might be held in accommodation positions. That makes more sense. Mm -hmm. um, Article 54 also states that your accommodation will end as soon as you you or, or the other employee becomes uh, capable of doing all the duties of your regular assignment again. So as soon as you're capable of going back to your old position, if you didn't use your seniority to bid on what you're doing now, you're going to go back to your old job. Which is again, another reason to self-accommodate if you can For want sure. stability. This also means that they can occasionally ask for updated medical. Yes, actually I was in a consultation with management a few weeks ago and they were going through all of the accommodations in our local and, and giving us a list of all the ones they were going to want updated medical on and it was a long list. Right. <laughs> The other thing we should have mentioned earlier, actually, is that all disability management is run through the short-term disability program. So your medical mm -hmm. goes through Canada Life, not to the employer. Right. So what Canada Post will get is just a list of restrictions. You never want to give the employer any more than you have to. So they're not going to know specifically why you can't lift X amount of weight or why you can't work more than five hours a day or whatever. They just know that there's supported medical that states this and they have to abide by it yeah and sometimes uh some management will try to get you to sign waivers uh giving them more access to your medical and don't sign them don't Never. give them access to anything that you don't need to give them all you need to give them is like kevin said what your restrictions are and how long they're expected to last and this is one of the reasons why i say you're going to try and self-accommodate still this process goes on because having to work with short-term disability programs does slow it down a bit. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be able to usually put in for an accommodation right now and, you know, have a new position next week. Although it does happen if you just bring the note from your doctor 
they they will assume, especially if it's something really obvious, if they saw if you, know, if you broke your leg on the job or something, you're they know this, you're wearing a cast, they you know they're gonna accept the doctor's note for now and they'll just put it through if they need to. Mm-hmm. But in general, it does have to go through the short-term disability, especially if it's something less obvious, and then that can slow the process down a bit. There's another thing I want to warn people about, and it's that I've seen it happen a lot the last couple of years, where it, when people are injured at work, management will say things like, don't worry about it, we'll look after you, or even don't report this to WCB, we'll look after you. Um, and sometimes they do for a little while. Sometimes they find you work to do and they pay you the full day. And then there comes a point where they maybe can't find you work that day and they'll say, we don't have anything for you to do and they'll send you home. But then how are you getting paid if you didn't apply to WCB or you didn't start your short-term disability claim? Yeah, if they offer you reasonable accommodations in the depot that you like, which I've seen happen lots of times, that's fine. Sure. But never, ever let them convince you to not report something. That's exactly it. Because even if you take those accommodations they're offering and that works, even if it works for the entirety of your injury, um, if you have reported that incident, the original injury, then if if for some reason things get worse or they no longer have work for you to do, you you can still get covered by WCB or short-term disability plans. So you can still get paid. Yeah. Um, we've, we've seen them use people a lot of times just say, well, fire loads have been super heavy and they don't want to pay overtime to somebody. So there's want to pay someone who can't walk straight time to collate everyone's fires, which is great mm-hmm. when you come into the depot and find that somebody collated half the depot for you. That is awesome. Although um, that is technically your work. And if you don't want them to do it, you should, uh, they should be asking you before they collate your fires. Because if you want to do that hour of overtime at the end of the day, that's your work. Um... So in the Human Rights Act, there's a couple of things to be aware of when it comes to accommodations. So um, whether your disability is due to a workplace injury or not um, doesn't doesn't matter in determining whether you're eligible for for these kind of programs. So if if it's an injury you sustained at home or an illness that uh, developed over time, you can still get accommodated if you're unable to complete your, your full duties. And again, there's no real distinction on why you have the disability. It could be uh, an illness or an injury or uh, mental or physical. I noticed that our Article 54 doesn't have the time limit in it that the Human Rights Act talks about. They keep talking about you being able to be accommodated for up to five years. Um, That's your qualifying period. And that if you can return to full duties within that five years, then it's all good. But it doesn't, it's not really specific about what happens if you don't return within the five years. Do you go on permanent disability or? Yeah, there's other programs, I think, other than accommodation. It just basically says the employer can't uh, be forced to accommodate you forever. But, you know, if you're in a position where you're functioning well or, you know, they had to do a one-time equipment buy, I don't know why they wouldn't. Okay. Um, the Act also states a number of reasons why, or, or instances where a person could be uh, have their in- employment terminated. Um, so they could resign on medical grounds, they could retire on medical grounds, or... But they can't be pressured to resign or right. retire. Then that's in their any way. choice. Yeah. Or they could be terminated for other disciplinary reasons that are not related to their disability. 
Um, so you can still get fired for doing wrong things at work. This isn't a free-for-all, you're, you're golden, you can do what you want. It's just, um, yeah. The act also speaks to if the person has a relapse. So if you had an injury or a condition that was improving and then it relapses to a previous uh, level, that would reset your five years. So um, you might actually have longer that you could be accommodated uh, under these programs if your condition gets better and worse and better and worse. That is another thing though. If you do have a, a relapse, let's say you're accommodated into a position, you go back to your original position and then you relapse, you are not guaranteed to go back into that original accommodation. That's right. You'd have to start the whole process over. Yeah. Essentially we started it over again and it'd have to be another consult because it's and the process in the collective agreement basically depends largely on open positions and what you can get with your seniority. And that obviously changes over time. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. They're not going to bump someone out of a spot to make room for you. They're usually waiting for there to be a, a spot available because someone retired or someone quit or um, someone transferred somewhere else. Right. So this is another one of those episodes that hopefully you never need, but if you're ever in a situation where you need accommodation, uh, this is where you look, Article 54, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email them to overburdenpod at gmail.com. And um, I feel like we haven't stressed it enough. Definitely involve your union. We <laughs> <laughs> haven't gone on a big involve your union rant in a while. No, I just feel like no matter what else you do, definitely involve your local executive. Let them know what you're doing. Let them know what what, what you're looking for in your accommodation. Give them as much as you can as to what you, what you want to happen because you'll get a better result if they understand your needs. Yeah, and like I said earlier, it, it says give your uh, request in writing. Always give it to the union and we'll review it and look for any possible pitfalls and and whatnot. Or sometimes it's even, hey, we know this position's coming up in a couple of weeks, so let's save it for next Article 54 or something, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes your executive has insider information that can really help you out. That's true. All right, we already did our standard outro. So, so now I'm just going to cut you off. Doom.